Hello and welcome to this message from the river. We hope that this message from Pastor Billy Pate inspires and challenges you towards a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Billy Pate for another exciting message. You say come to the Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. That's going to be our primary text this morning. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. I am preaching, uh, continuing our series on living a principled life. And uh, we just want to challenge each and every one of us, all of us, to live based on the principles of God's Word. When we live based on those principles... God is providing things for us and God is protecting us from things. When God gives us a command, a precept, He is doing it for our benefit. He's trying to bring us to a place where we can have a fulfilled, abundant life. He said that I've come to give you life and give it to you in abundance. How does that life of abundance happen for us? It happens when we follow His principles and we understand His ways. Our series text, Psalm 119, 11 and 12 says, Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. Teach me your ways. Teach me your will. Teach me how to operate in this life in harmony with you and your universal principles that you've established. And so today I want to preach to you concerning the principle of forgiveness. The principle of forgiveness. Ephesians 4.32 says this, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. I don't know about you, but forgiveness is a challenge. Amen? I mean, is anybody going to be honest in the house today and say that sometimes forgiveness is hard? Sometimes forgiveness is a tough deal. Sometimes it just is not something that my flesh wants to be a part of and I certainly don't want to forgive certain people that have done certain things to me in my life. But Scripture clearly teaches us that we are to forgive one another. He says, forgive one another as Christ forgave you. As Jesus was so kind and so generous to forgive us of all of our sins, when we deserve the penalty of death, God forgave us. And if He is willing to do that and offer us such mercy, we in turn should offer mercy to one another, forgiving one another as Christ forgave us. I think in a society where offense is, uh, that is plagued with offense, that, that offense runs rampant and uh, uh, in a society where just everything is offensive. Everything is offending this person or that person. I, I'm offended by the way you dress. I'm offended by the way you talk. I'm f- offended by your personality. I'm offended by everything that you do. I'm just offended. So in a society where offense just runs rapid, forgiveness is vital. We have got to cultivate all of us, I'm talking to myself as well, a a spirit of forgiveness, a a sense of forgiveness to be quick to to forgive others. In our society today, people are offended at the most insignificant things. You can't watch the news without somebody being offended about something. Offended because of a comment. Offended because no one said anything. 
Offended because your ideas, offended because of a flag, a political ideology. You looked at them weird or you didn't look at them at all. Offended. Just offended all the time. And I think that we are an overly sensitive society looking for ways and looking for reasons to be offended. I really do believe that the church ought to be different than that. That the church ought to be unique to, to, and operate opposite of the culture. The, the offenses that the world has, and they're always walking around looking for something to be offended about, that ought not be the way God's people conduct themselves. Amen. I do believe that we ought to be sensitive to one another. But I don't believe that we ought to be sensitive ourselves. Instead, people, instead, our society has that backwards. They're extremely sensitive themselves and insensitive to one another. But God calls us to be sensitive to one another. I shouldn't offend you just for the sake of offending you. I I should be cautious about that, and I should be mindful of your position and where you are. I should be sensitive to you, but I should not be sensitive myself. I should not go around looking for something to be upset about and offended over. In a time where offense is commonplace, the principle of forgiveness is vital. We have to forgive, we have to forget, and we have to move on. Forgive, forget, and move on. Forgive for the wrongdoing, forget about what happened, and move on with life. Don't get stuck in limitation because of unforgiveness. Don't get stuck in limit. Don't let, don't let your life be limited because you can't get over an offense. Don't get stuck somewhere because you can't get past what somebody did to you. It may be, be the offense that you have may be uh, justified. It may be legit. It may be a real thing that happened, but you can't let it dictate the outcome of the entirety of your life. There comes a point when you have to forgive them, you have to forget about it, and you've got to get up and move on. <laughs> life is too short to go around being offended and mad at everybody who does you wrong or doesn't meet your expectations. Now listen to this, because this is good stuff. The expectation gap is where all unforgiveness resides. It is the place that reality did not meet my expectation, and in that gap is where the enemy will put a foothold of unforgiveness and try and limit your life, your joy, your peace, your happiness. He'll get in there and he'll mess all that up. It's that gap that is the problem. I had an expectation. That expectation didn't get met. This is the reality. There's a gap in here. And if I don't forgive and I don't let some of that stuff go, unforgiveness will thrive in that gap between expectation and reality and it will mess me up. It'll mess you up. It's where all unforgiveness resides. People, People are going to fall short of your expectation. They can't help it. They don't want to fall short of your expectation. They don't set out to fall short of it. Some people do, but most people don't. I had to to correct myself because I can recall some things. But people, people, people are going to fall short of your expectation. They are going to disappoint you. 
People are going to hurt your feelings from time to time. That is going to happen. I don't believe that the majority of people sit out that morning and think, who can I offend? Who can I hurt their feelings? Who can I tick off today? Who can I really just rub the wrong way? Most people don't sit out that way. Now, again, you have some that do sit out that way. I think some of them plan it. But, but regardless, it's still going to happen from time to time. The way that you respond to that is the difference maker for you. The way you respond to that is the difference maker for you. You can look for it, hold on to it, or you can let it go. You can look for it and hold on to it, or you can just choose to let it go. Turn to your neighbor and say, let it go. Don't make me sing the song this morning. (laughs) A lot of people, a lot of people look for offense like it is a prize to be won. Come on, somebody. A lot of people look for offense like it is a prize to be won. It is not a prize to be won. There's no joy in being offended. My dad always would say to me, Get the chip off your shoulder. That's good advice. Let's not look to be offended. Amen? Now, with that said, real things happen. And real things happen that are hard to get over. Real offenses take place. Real transgressions happen. Real wounds occur. Not everything you deal with in life is as easy as get over it. You know, or just let it go. It's, it's not that always that easy and always that, I wished it was, but it's not always that easy and not always that simple. Some things require a deep work of God to really get over and you need His mercy and grace and His own forgiveness flowing in your life to really let go. I hear of re- horrific things that have happened to people. Christine Kane has a wonderful testimony of her life, just, just horrific things that have happened to her. And, and that's not something that happened to her that you can say, well, you just need to get the chip off your shoulder. You, you just need to let that go. You just need to move on. No, 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 no. There has to be a deep work of the Holy Spirit sometimes for some of these things to happen and take place and to really be forgiven of. To overcome the pain of betrayal, the pain of abuse, the pain of neglect, the pain of malice. Those things require a deep work of God. But I, but I want you to understand that, that God's intention for you is to do that work. He intends to take you from where you currently are and get you to a place of healing and forgiveness so that you can thrive and you can go on. God doesn't want to just comfort you in your pain and in your misery. He wants to heal you in your pain and move you on in grace to a better place for your life. Amen. Come on, somebody. But I will say to you this morning that God has placed the principle of forgiveness in place for your benefit. It is a way of escape that He has provided for each and every one of us. And so here's the first point that I want to give to you this morning is that unforgiveness negatively affects you. Always. It negatively affects you. It will mess you up. Why would any of us want to carry around anything that negatively affects our lives? Well, obviously we don't. We don't want to do that. We don't desire to do that. But carrying unforgiveness around will hinder you physically healing. It will hinder your emotional healing. It will hinder your psychological healing. It will hinder your relationships and it will hinder your spiritual life. It will mess with all of those areas. 
Mark eleven twenty five says this, Whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Now that's strong. That's strong. Jesus is saying, this is Jesus talking. Jesus says, look, if you want me to hear your prayers, if you've got something against somebody, you need to first of all ask for forgiveness. And you need to ask for forgiveness because if you want me to forgive you, you've got to forgive other people. Why would I want to offer grace to someone who doesn't offer grace to anyone else? Why would I want to pour grace into a a vessel that is not willing to release that very same grace into the lives of other people? Jesus taught these principles over and over again when he talked about the one guy who owed big debt and, and, he, and he was forgiven his debt. And then he went and someone else tried to collect on, he tried to collect on a debt that somebody else owed him. And Jesus says, because you didn't forgive them their debt when I forgave you yours, you're in trouble. And so we've got to learn to forgive others. It is a hindrance in our lives. It's a hindrance to our prayers. God says, make it right if you want to talk to me. And so we want God in the situation. And so we've got to learn to forgive. It's a hard thing. I'm not suggesting today that it's as easy and as simple as just saying, God, I forgive them. Sometimes I have to forgive people verbally in my own mind multiple, multiple times before the work of healing actually takes place. But you've got to keep going back to that place and you've got to keep asking God to help you. And you've got to declare it out loud. You've got to say it out loud. There, there's, still, uh, there's still places that I can go and old feelings and old uh, circumstances still can rise up in me. And it's in those moments that I have to address them by saying, God, forgive them, I forgive them. I'm, I, I, please forgive me for my part in that. Please, God, let this unforgiveness be dealt with. If I carry unforgiveness around, it is going to affect me and it's going to affect me in a negative way. There was a psychological study done, and this had nothing to do with Christian values, Christian principles. This is strictly psychological study that they did, not done by Christians. It said that they did a study on unforgiveness. And first of all, they define unforgiveness as the emotional imbalance due to a delayed response toward a, a transgressor. Now think about this for a minute. It is an emotional imbalance. In other words, I'm emotionally not balanced because I have not responded to the way that I feel about the way someone treated me. And so it keeps me in an unbalanced state. Okay, these are the things that they showed uh, on this study. Here's the effects that they discovered. Chronic stress response was was a major cause... Uh, that emanated from unforgiveness. It leads to cardiovascular issues and high blood pressure. Chronic stress can cause brain hemorrhage. Long-term effects of chronic stress can also give rise to psychological disorders. Interpersonal mental trauma was another one. It impacts communication skills, thinking abilities, decision-making. It can also cause hormonal imbalance. This is unforgiveness can cause these things. It can cause depression. Depression caused by unexpressed emotions can be more dangerous than other forms of depression. So if I'm holding some stuff in and I'm not expressing these things, I'm not communicating these things, I'm not communicating them to God and I'm not communicating them perhaps even to the person that offended me or hurt me. 
Paranoia was another one. When I hold on to unforgiveness, I'm always looking for who is out to get me next. You can become very paranoid when you hold on to unforgiveness. And so these are actual, measurable, physical things that take place because of unforgiveness. And that's not to even consider all of the spiritual ramifications of unforgiveness. So what we see is unforgiveness allows other people to affect our choices and it allows other people to dictate our lives. When you hold unforgiveness towards someone, you are unable to go where you want to go. You're unable to to be who you want to be because you may run into that person. I'm sure that somebody in this room can relate to the idea of having an issue with someone and being afraid to go to the grocery store because you might run into them. That's unforgiveness. I don't like to drive down that road because every time I drive down that road, it brings all these memories back. Unforgiveness. Don't let someone else dictate your life and dictate the choices that you make. Forgive them, let it go, and move on. People give up their freedom all the time because of unforgiveness. You become enslaved to the person you have yet to forgive. Another way that unforgiveness affects you is it has a way of making you believe that you have rights that you don't have. Now listen, this is good. I have a right to blank because they did blank. I have a right to cheat on my spouse because they cheated on me. Unforgiveness. I have a right to take advantage of someone because someone took advantage of me. I have a right to retaliate because they hurt me. And the list goes on and on and on. It makes us believe that we have rights that we don't have. It messes with our thinking. And so we have to let those things go. We never, we never, we never have the right to respond in kind to those who hurt us or transgress us. As much as we would like to, as much as it wells up within you, to respond in kind. We do not, we may do it, and we may have to ask God for forgiveness for it, but we don't have the right to do it. We don't have the right to do it. God said, vengeance is mine. He said, turn the other cheek. He said, you know, be better. Love your enemies. Pray for them. Unforgiveness will negatively affect your life. Don't carry that baggage around with you. God can give you the grace and the strength to forgive and let go of the offense. The second thing it does... And I kind of mentioned this already. Unforgiveness binds you to the one that has wronged you. It binds you to them. It it ties you to that person. It it, it keeps you uh, shackled to them. Again, let me start by saying that there are legitimate wrongs that happen. And there are also perceived wrongs that happen. There are legitimate wrongs that happen and there are just perceived wrongs that happen. I think the majority of the offenses in society are just perceived wrongs. You know, they're just things that I got offended about when, when that's not at all what that person meant. That's not at all what that person was trying to communicate. They just didn't communicate in a way that I could receive it. Sometimes we take something that was never meant as an offense and we make it into one. We have to be careful not to be too sensitive again and that our skewed perception isn't communicating a false reality. That are skewed, we have a skewed perception. Everybody has a way of viewing life that is not necessarily 100% true. Yeah. 
your, 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 your paradigm is formed by the experiences you have, by the understanding that you have, by the way you see and understand your world around you. And so there's not all of it that's 100% accurate. There's always a skewed portion of our perception. And so what happens to us is that oftentimes we are offended because we're, tra- we're, we're communicating or understanding communication wrong and we're letting our skewed perception communicate a false reality to us. And this is where having, listen, this is where having good people in your life is critical. Because you're better off, the Bible tells us that, that, that counsel is found among many advisors. And so we need multiple people helping us to get a good perspective. I do not see the world exactly like April sees the world. Amen. And I promise you, she does not see the world correctly because she doesn't see it the way I see it. And sometimes we can look at a situation and completely come with two different interpretations of the exact same thing. Now, there's a truth somewhere there. There's something that actually did happen. <laughs> she, she is convinced that, that, is, that she's right, I promise you. But, but it's somewhere always in the middle. It's always somewhere in the middle. It's always between the uh, perceptions of many people. And that's why you've got to have good people in your life that will help you to really... Uh, translate experiences and circumstances and things that happen around you. If you don't, you're going to be offended and you're going to stay offended. You can't help it. You need people to help you. You've got to have a healthy person in your life that can help you have a healthy perception. Now, I say healthy person because, I'm yeah, I'm going to go there. A healthy person can help you have a healthy perception. However, what I see is a lot of people that are easily offended, they often associate with people who are carrying offense or who are themselves easily offended. If you talk to someone who carries a chip on their shoulder about a perceived offense, they're always going to see it as an offense. Oh, I think you're absolutely right. He was out to get you. That's not always the case. You've got to have healthy people in your life that don't want to be offended all the time if you're going to help to really communicate and understand and translate what's going on around in your life. Those people that carry around offense are not going to help you establish a healthy perspective. Now I want to read to you a verse of Scripture and I want to tie it in here. In Matthew 18 and 6 it says this, Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin... It would be better for him to have a millstone hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Another translation will say, whoever offends one of these little ones, it's better for him to have a millstone hung around his neck and cast into the sea. So God's saying, Jesus is saying, look, don't be the cause of offense in someone's life. He's putting that mandate on us. But I want to talk to you about this, this way of looking at that verse too. If you contribute to someone else's offense... Are you not in part offending them in the process? Are you not contributing to the very thing that the Scripture warns against? And so don't be that person that everybody always goes to when they got a problem. 
Don't be that person that everybody always goes to when they're ticked off about this or they're upset about that or they've got to run their mouth to someone because if you give ear to that and you lend to that and you help them to formulate that offense in their life, you are in essence causing them to be offended and it's better for you to have a millstone hung around your neck and thrown into the sea than to do that. Now I know that's strong, but I believe that that's true. We have to help people towards healing, not help people toward hurt. And too many of us want to jump on the bandwagon to help people be hurt more than to actually help them be healed and to move on with their life. It does not matter what has happened to you. You have only one real choice and that is to get over it and to go on. Even if it is traumatic, even if it is horrendous, even if it is terrible, you have to at some point address the issue, deal with the problem, let healing come and move on. You're stuck in limitation if you can't forgive. You're stuck in a limited life with a limited perspective and a limited perception and you're not going to be able to move on to the place that God has ordained for you to move on. There is no promised land for the person who carries around unforgiveness. Amen. Again, there are, also, there are legitimate wrongs. Wrongs that occur and hurt us regardless of which it is, whether it's legitimate or falsely perceived, the antidote is still the same. It is letting go of offense and offering forgiveness and grace in the situation. When we choose to hang on to the offense, we become bound to the very person that we are offended by. That person begins to invade our thoughts, dictate our decisions, mold our perception of life and relationships. It's detrimental. I think all of us have had somebody do, do us wrong. And, and you find yourself driving down the road, mumbling under your breath about the circumstance when they're nowhere to be around. Unforgiveness. They're, you're letting someone permeate your thought life, control your behavior, dictate your relationship with God, with your relationship with others, and that is unhealthy. Unforgiveness binds us to those who we hold unforgiveness toward. I believe that many people are addicted and bound by bad habits, hurts, hang-ups, because of the simple fact that they have not forgiven others for the hurts that they have afflicted upon them. Unforgiveness will cause transgression to birth more transgression. Unforgiveness causes sin to birth more sin. It produces after its own kind. I'll give you an example. If I refuse to forgive my dad for being an alcoholic, my dad's not an alcoholic. I'm using this as a... If I refuse to forgive my dad for being an alcoholic, then I'm bound to him and I'm bound to his alcoholism. I subject myself to the effect of the same curse he is living under And I'm susceptible, highly susceptible, to fall into the same pattern of living. How many times do we see this? That people that came out of abused homes become abusers. People that come from alcoholic homes become alcoholics. People that come out of homes that are just reeked with whatever kind of sin there is, they, they in turn carry that same sin and go on into inflicting that same thing on their own lives and the people around them. 
we're bound to those people. Let me say it a little plainer. You can go to Celebrate Recovery. You can go to AA. You can go to every church service that they have. And you can go to any other group you want to until Jesus comes back. And no big change is going to take place if you hold on to unforgiveness. You'll stay there and you'll go through all the process and you'll have all the knowledge, but it won't advance you one iota if you don't forgive the people that have hurt you in your life. Amen. Amen. It is a huge step in the healing process. It is a huge step in breaking the control that the enemy has over your life. Matthew 6.14 says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. If you release them, He'll release you. If you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive yours. If you don't release them, you can't be released either. With the measure that I offer forgiveness, it is the measure that I receive forgiveness. So don't be bound to anyone that has hurt you. Forgive them. Again, I just want to say this because I'm not, I'm not making light of the journey. I'm not making light of the difficulty of forgiving people. I know that there are some people that have hurt you so deeply and wounded you so deeply that it's not a matter of one altar visit to get it fixed. It takes years sometimes to let it go. And the grace of God will be there for you. But it has to be a journey toward complete healing. It can't be a journey that, that stops short of complete healing and only is willing to go so far. And so I'm saying to you today, the process of forgiveness may take a while, but at least be involved in the process and be walking towards that in your journey. The last thing that I want to say to you today is that unforgiveness affects more than just you. It doesn't just affect you, it affects a lot more than just you. It has a generational effect. Sins are often passed from generation to generation because they are not forgiven and dealt with. And that goes along with the, even the alcoholism, the abuse, all that stuff. Leviticus 2639 says this, And those of you who are left shall waste away in their iniquity in your enemies' lands, also in their father's iniquities, which which are with them, they shall waste away. That's a powerful verse of Scripture. It says, Those who are left shall waste away in their iniquity in your enemies' lands, Also in their father's iniquities which are with them, they shall waste away. John 20 and 23, Jesus says it real plain here. He says, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Wow, what a passage. What a a principle of truth here. That if I forgive the sins of any, they are released and they are forgiven them. But if I hold on to them, I retain them myself. Unforgiveness can grow like compound interest in your life. Have you ever known someone that holds on to to something that happened to them and then it's just a matter of time for something else happens to them and they've never dealt with the first thing and then they just pile that on and then their, their, their whole perception even is skewed more and before long it's just one unforgiveness act after another and it just piles on and so far out of reality their lives become that they can't see anything clearly. I've met people in church that you couldn't even say hi to without offending them. 
because they were so skittish. They were so hurt and they were so wounded and so abused over the course of their life that even saying hi to them, they were paranoid about it, they were, they were suspicious of it, and, and they just didn't even know how to respond to that. I don't want any bitterness and unforgiveness in my life, and I certainly don't want it to be a trait that I pass on to my children. We see all the time the effects of offenses that are passed from generation to generation, complete ways of life, and perceptions about people, groups, society, and more are built and passed to generations because of unforgiveness. It's a tragedy. It doesn't just affect you, but it can affect you, your children, and your children's children, and so forth. It's bigger than just you. My refusal to address unforgiveness in my life will ultimately affect my kids. Is that something I want to pass on to them or not? If it's not, then I've got to deal with it. Morgan, would you come? Unforgiveness affects you negatively. It binds you to the person who hurts you and it affects others as well. The principle here of forgiveness protects us from anger, from malice, from vengeance, from imprisonment, from mental and physical health problems. It provides for us freedom and grace, mercy, joy. The list goes on. Colossians 3.12 says this, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies... Kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. He says, if anyone has a complaint against another, I got some problems with you people and you're going to hear about them. Festivus tree. Oh, wow. But it says, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Love is the perfect bond. Love is the power to forgive, and it is the power to move on. You won't always forgive people easily that you love, but I can tell you that it is always easier to love people that you forgive. It's a whole lot easier to love people that you forgive. Steve said this yesterday, and because he's not here, I feel okay giving him credit for it. Steve Waddell. But I thought this was really good yesterday, and it went so good with what I was going to preach this morning. He said that loving others is directly tied to the way we love God. He said our relationships with others, if our relationships with others are off, our relationship with God needs to be evaluated as the first place we look because it may be off too. The way we love others is directly tied to the way we love God. He says love is the bond of perfection. Let's do our best to love God and love people. And if we're going to love people, then forgiveness has to be there. It has to be a part of it because people are messed up. People are not perfect. People are going to make mistakes. They're going to do things they shouldn't do. All of us are. So forgive one another. Love one another. Be tenderhearted. Be humble toward one another. Today is a day 
If you'll stand with me across the place. Today is a day where we have the opportunity to forgive and find release from imprisonment of unforgiveness. We hope you have enjoyed and been encouraged by this message. We'd love for you to join us at the river on Sunday mornings at 9.45 for Sunday school and at 10.30 for morning worship. We also provide our midweek service for all ages on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you'd like to support the various ministries at the river, please go to our giving tab. We'd love for you to visit us at 1110 South Preston Street in Burkrenet, Texas. And as always, we encourage you to come experience life with us at the river. Come to the river.